the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 912. Portions of the following program may be pre recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than. Anything you've ever known, it won't be long. Your life will pass by as a vapor, and you will stand before the judgment seat of God. And every secret deed and thought, every wrinkle, every spot will be in view. Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory Amen. while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ 
can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ you can find peace in him From the judgment that's to come He is a shelter From the coming storm He's the only shelter From the coming storm Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. The devil is doing everything he can do with equipment to cause me to stumble and not be able to do this broadcast. I worked up until the very last minute before this broadcast began with my brother Ed to try to straighten out what's happening. I'm having to sit about two feet away from the desk to reduce the size so that I can get the video to at least work. But I'm trusting Jesus. I'm not going to back off. I'm going to go straight ahead. I'm not surprised by this hassle that I'm getting from the technology. I think the devil's in charge of technology. And we haven't seen anything yet. But thank you for joining the broadcast today. There is a, a reoccurring pattern that we find in the scriptures, particularly in the book of Judges. Now, this pattern has always reoccurred. But today, it's hard to see this reoccurring pattern because the pattern will go on for maybe 40 years. So it's hard for us to get a perspective. I'm old enough at this point that I've seen this happen. I have seen the church turn from a bastion of holiness, a place of, of righteousness, a place where sin is dealt with, to a time when sin is very acceptable in the church and nobody's talking about it. Everybody's believing the lie of the sinning Christian, even the Presbyterians and the, and the Baptists and others who follow Calvinism are not teaching what Calvinists used to teach. John Calvin himself in the Institute said, you cannot separate justification and sanctification. They have to be 
intertwined together, one with the other. And if they're separated, they're broken and you're lost. Of course, the sinning Christian teachers of our day, and I can name them, all the popular men and women who preach on this radio station, they're all given to the sinning Christian. They think it's normal, but it's not. It's, it's a part of that 40-year apostasy that takes place in cycles throughout history with the Lord God of heaven. And we have to wake up, wake up, wake up and discover where we're at in this cycle as it recycles through our lives again now. In Judges, the 10th chapter, I'll begin reading for you in verse 6. Again, emphasis on again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is not something that's just happening fresh and new. This has happened about every 40 years. God has to come and deal with the church, rebuking wickedness, rebuking sin. It's uncomfortable, but that's how it works. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. In other words, the church, about every 40 years, turns to money, turns to fleshly pleasures. This has been throughout history. It says, and because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served him, he became angry with them. Now, it's not popular to say, but I can tell you right now, God is very angry with the American church, with the Western church. He's very angry because we have following this 40-year cycle, turned to utter darkness, to wickedness. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead. And the land of the Amorites, the Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah and Benjamin, the house of Ephraim, and Israel was in great distress. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. Now hear the Lord's answer. This is terrifying. The Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Ammonites, the Amorites, the Philistines, the, the Sidonites, the Amalekites, when they oppressed you and you cried out to me for help, did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods. So I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. 
So God can reach a point with us, and he has reached that point with the American church where he's saying, okay, I'm not going to save you. Go to the gods you worship. Go after the money. Go after the power. Go after the prestige. Go after the sinning Christian. Believe whatever you want to believe. I'm just going to let you go. That's terrifying. But see, the church today doesn't even know that God is upset with it. Because, should I say it again? 99% of what goes on in the church would continue to go on with an utterly, totally absent Holy Spirit. Oh, we have our Holy Spirit, quote unquote, but he's a happy spirit. And so we have our, our great bands and we have our, our wonderful music and, and, oh, the Holy Spirit is here. Don't you feel the heaviness? Can't you feel the weight? Oh, the Holy Spirit's here. No, he's not. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in response to praise and worship music. The Holy Spirit comes in response to honest repentance and turning away from the wickedness of the world. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in response to our music. I stood in the Hilt Memorial Chapel one time. A revivalist had come to preach, and I went to listen. And oh, they had the liveliest, most beautiful music, and everybody was up dancing and shouting and, and clapping and saying, The Holy Spirit's here. No, he wasn't. It was all make believe, it was a farce. There was no Holy Spirit present. How do I know? Nobody repented. There was no sorrow for sin. And when the program was over, everybody left and said, wow, that was great dancing to the, to the Holy Spirit. No. No. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's not real. It's fantasy. It's fantasia. It's the same as you would experience if you went to Disney World. It's all make-believe. It's not real. Real Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit, not happy spirit. And repentance flows. Sorrow for sin. Turning away from sin. Getting right with Jesus. The children of Israel had the wisdom to finally say, chapter 10 of Judges, verse... Well, let me start again at 15. But the Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. And he could bear Israel's misery no longer. So what did revival look like? It looked like getting rid of the foreign gods. 
We have a hard time with that because America serves its flesh. It has money, it has power, it has prestige. We can do whatever we want to do. And so we go to church in our little institutionalized churches and go through our church calendar and all of our Fantasia, Hollywood, not God. Finally, they say to the Lord, we have sinned. Whoa, how I want to hear the church of America say, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best. But please rescue us now. Well, we would say we don't need to be rescued. Thank you very much. We have the money to build our buildings. We can go to the banks and we can borrow millions of dollars and we can build the buildings we want to build. We can pay our pastors big salaries in Washington. They can drive around in their Mercedes. They got rid of the foreign gods among them. And they served the Lord. They served the Lord. And the Lord could could not bear Israel's misery any longer. Is there misery in the American church? No. It's comfortable. It's happy. It's fat. Churches rocking and rolling. And God has no way to get a hold of it because it's not miserable yet in its sin. That's going to end very quickly. I'm here to tell you there's a there's a storm coming. President Biden just hired 87,000 new armed IRS agents. That's not to try to figure out whether you cheated on your taxes. These agents are being trained and placed with rifles in order to suppress the American people when the digital currency comes out. And your dollar bills don't work anymore. And you either take the money of the digital currency without objection or you will be suppressed by these new agents carrying their rifles prepared to shoot to kill. Sounds like Mark of the Beast stuff to me. Are you going to roll over? Take your digital currency? I see trouble coming. Great trouble is coming to the American church. And we are going to suffer. God has to get our attention. We come back to Samson. I shared yesterday with you. Samson goes back to visit his wife. He's finally over his anger and his mad he goes back to visit his wife 
only to discover that she's been given to another man, that he is now divorced, and his wife now is with another man. And Samson is angry. God has no way of getting a hold of the children of Israel. They've made accommodation with the Philistines. They're comfortable. The borders are open. They go back and forth. They mix themselves with the Philistines. They take the Philistines' women as their wives, and they give their wives, their girls, to the Philistines. But the Philistines are in charge. The only way God can get this prophet to move off dead center is to begin to make him personally miserable. And it's out of this rage and anger that God is finally able to begin to get a hold of his people by sowing discord between the Israelites and the Philistines. So, he's burning with anger. He's burning with anger and he says, Okay, this time I've got a right to get even with the Philistines. I'll really harm them. So he went out and he caught 300 foxes. That's no mean feat to catch 300 foxes. He tied them tail to tail in pairs. He fastened a torch to every pair of tails. He lit the torches and he let the foxes loose in the standing grain of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks. He burned the standing grain together with the vineyards and the olive groves. He really hurt them financially. When the Philistines asked, who did this? They were told Samson because his wife was given to his friend. In other words, it was a revenge motive that moved Samson as a prophet of God to enter into conflict with the Philistines. It wasn't out of repentance. It wasn't out of sorrow for the sin of Israel. Israel was not saying we have sinned against God. Israel wasn't saying, please come deliver us. They were happy. So the Philistines, they went up and put the family of his wife, who was now divorced, they put him in the house, they closed him in, and they burned the house down with the family, including his, his wife, Samson. says, okay, you've acted like this. I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. And he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. And then he went down and he camped out in a cave. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out. And the men of Judah asked them, Why have you come to fight with us? We're at peace. We're part of the world. We're comfortable. We're not saying anything that should make you mad. What's the problem here? 
And they said, We have come to take Samson prisoner to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave where Samson was staying. And they said to him, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. And they said to him, We have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. That's like saying, Let's tie David up, King David as a boy. Let's tie him up and hand him over to the enemy. Let's not let him fight the giant Goliath. Let's not cause trouble here. Let's submit. That's what the American church has done. You tell us to close our churches, we close our churches. We recognize that we are not necessary in the culture anymore. And the church is not necessary in the American culture. It gets along very well without the church. The church is scorned in America today. We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. He says, swear to me that you won't kill me. Okay, we'll only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. That's accommodation with wickedness. Where is the blowing of the trumpet? Why didn't they go to Samson and say, look, we've called all of the men of Israel together and we're going to go out under your leadership and the anointing of God, and we're going to defeat the Philistines. No, come on. Don't cause trouble. Be accommodating with wickedness. Go along with the culture. Don't, don't rock the boat. We have it good. We have our jobs. We have our income. We have our lifestyle. We can go to the restaurants we want to go to. We can, we can preach what, whatever we want in our churches. Don't rock the boat. They rule. The wicked rule in Washington, D.C. Don't, don't speak up and, and cause a, a problem for the church in America. Now, somebody's come out and said that the rosary is a radical racial symbol and we need to do away with the... Well, what's the Catholic Church going to do? Are they going to roll over and say, okay... You're right. We'll get rid of the rosary. Now, I don't agree with praying the rosary. Please understand. But what will the Catholic Church do? Are they going to roll over on this? Probably. Probably. We've rolled over on everything else. Oh, yes, we've stood up against abortion, but many non-Christians stand up. Many conservatives stand up and oppose abortion. Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? So they tie Samson up. They bound him with two new ropes. They were sure he could not break those. And they led him from the rock where the cave was 
to the camp of the Philistines. Brave Israelites, right? Given to sin, given to the worship of Baal and Asherah. They want money. They want lifestyle. They want what they want. As the Philistines come rushing toward him, the Spirit of God comes upon him in great power, and the ropes on his arm become like charred flax, and the bindings drop from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it, and he killed, he struck down a thousand Philistines by himself. Now, did the children of Israel that came with him, did they join Samson in fighting against the... Are you kidding me? No, they were against Samson. They weren't for him standing up against sin, against wickedness. God was trying to find a way to create such antagonism between Israel and the Philistines that the Israelite men would stand up with their leader and say, enough of the domination of the Philistines. We're going to fight. We're not going to let this happen. But no. So afterwards, Samson says, with the donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. With the donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. He's so casual about it. It's all personal. It's personal revenge and now he's he's very thirsty and he cries out to the lord you've given your servant this great victory must i now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised then god opens up the hollow place and water came out of it and samson drank and his strength returned and he revived Do you see, even the wicked man, Samson, who is the prophet of God, motivated only by revenge, not by holiness. What motivates your life? Are you motivated by your own personal issues? Are you motivated by your own comfort? Are you motivated by your health situation? Are you motivated by your financial situation? Do you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Or do you seek first your own comfort and your own hobbies and your own recreation and your own worldliness? Are you in bed with Baal and the flesh? hard question isn't it but you see this every 40 years the children of Israel turn to wickedness well the church in the last 40 years it too has turned to wickedness actually more than 40 years it's turned to darkness perversion Sexual perversion, idiocy, ungodliness. Because it 
wants to be a part of, of the world, the flesh and the devil, but still call itself the church. We want to watch the movies of the of the whores. We want to watch the movies of the uh, the vampires. We want to watch the the sports. We want to watch our entertainment. We don't want to pray, cry out to God, say we're dying. Please deliver us. No, 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 no. I can't tell you how many times pastors and people have said to me, Ray, Ray, just relax. Let it go. We're okay. Jesus loves you just the way you are. You have this unconditional love. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Are you really? Or you sound asleep in bed with the Philistines. I hear people who who say, oh, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, but then they don't want to pray. And they can't pray very well because there are too many idols yet in their heart and in their life. Come on. It's the morning hour. It's time to wake up. Or should I say it's the midnight hour and Jesus is coming and he's going to split the sky apart. Are you ready? Are you awake? Are you watching? Do you see what's happening? God even gave Samson the water he needed to revive. He's playing with God. He's playing with God. He's using what he has thinking that God will never leave him, that God loves him unconditionally. And some of you believe that God loves you unconditionally. You're like Samson. You're like Samson. Oh, he was a prophet of God. Chapter 15 of Judges, verse 20 says, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the day of the Philistines. He didn't defeat the Philistines for 20 years. He, he lived in the Philistines. He, he was like them. He was enjoying the same things they enjoyed. Now I can tell you that the next story is not the one I was told when I was a child. Samson goes to Gaza. There he sees a prostitute. So he goes in and spends the night with her. The people of Gaza are told, Samson is here. So they surround the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn we'll kill him. But Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up. He took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts. He tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faced Hebron. How'd you hear that story in Sunday school? I heard how how powerful Samson was. They never told me that he went in and slept with a prostitute. 
Many pastors today go and sleep with prostitutes. Many pastors today are deep in pornography. Many of the leaders of the churches, the, the elders, the deacons, go to the strip clubs. They believe they can do anything they want to do, that God has unconditional love. They're forgiven. They can't lose their salvation. They're on their way to heaven. They might as well have a good time. This sin will not be forgiven until they turn aside and cry aloud to Almighty God to deliver them. This is Samson, the prophet of God. As many of those who claim to be prophets of God today do not rebuke sin. Instead, they use divination to make silly little prophecies. Oh, didn't you know? We're coming into a time of great prosperity when the church of God is going to arise in victory in America. Really? Do you know the difference between the church and the world? Is your spirit a happy spirit or a holy spirit? We've got to know the difference between the happy spirit and the Holy Spirit. The happy spirit is what we call the Kundalini spirit. It's the Buddhist spirit. Did you know the Kundalini spirit performs miracles for the Buddhists? Did you know that the laughing spirit that broke out in the so-called revival up in Toronto, Canada some years ago, I went to it, I saw it, I witnessed with my own eyes. National leaders rolling on the floor, laughing and laughing and laughing. It was a laughing revival. I watched as they jerked and jerked and jerked. You know what Charles Wesley said the jerking was? He said it was the heart of man in opposition to the Holy Spirit. And the result was they were jerking. That's not very popular today, is it? This kundalini spirit is a Buddhist demonic spirit. It was not the Lord in Toronto, Canada. The fire that was flowing was a demonic fire, not a holy fire. caused me a great deal of sorrow. The way you can tell the difference between a kundalini spirit and the Holy Spirit is God's spirit convicts us of our sin and causes us to fall on our faces and repent and cry out to God to deliver us from the wickedness of our heart. It is not a revival if there is no crying out over our sin. God is not going to send a revival of laughter in the church. 
I was visiting my spiritual father, Pastor David Wilkerson in Times Square Church. And there was a church close by, a mega church that had pled with him to come and bring his members. It was nationally advertised. It was going to be held by by the laughing revival people. And I said, well, Brother David, are you going to go? Pastor, brother, no, it's demonic. I'll have nothing to do with the laughing revivals. They're false. You can tell the difference between the real and the make-believe because the real will always be calling people to get clean before God. You can tell the difference between a man of God and a man of the world, even though he's in a clergy habit. The pastor who does not rebuke sin is not of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what he teaches, if he does not rebuke wickedness, he is not of God. He is of darkness. Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many miracles in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And the Lord will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. That's a terrifying statement. You can build your house on sand and you can build your house on the rock and until the storm comes, they look very similar. You can build your church on prosperity thinking. You can build your church on, as one pastor who came to see me for counseling because he was deep in pornography. I said to him, is your church a worldly church? He answered, yes, of course it's a worldly church. Yes. I said, why would you have a worldly church? He said, because if we bring them into a worldly church, we might have a chance to speak to them about Jesus and they could accept Jesus and be saved. I said, in the midst of their sin, oh yes, Christians always sin. I said, brother, I can't help you with your, with your pornographic problem until you're willing to totally renounce that belief and turn and repent before Almighty God. Oh, my brother, my sister. There has to come a change. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. We've got to begin to weep between the orch, between the, the altar and and the congregation. We've got to begin to cry out and confront America with its sin. What does God have to do to the American church? 
to cause it to become so miserable that it will cry out to God for deliverance. So Samson can go to his prostitute. He can yet use the power God has given him to rip out the gate and carry it up to the top of the hill and dump it. And we say, wow, God is working. Well, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman who again was a Philistine. Now, I'm going to take this tomorrow much further. But I want you to know that you can only play with God so long and then he leaves you in your sin. You lose your power and you enter into great suffering. And the American church is about to enter into its great suffering. The four horses of the apocalypse are there to bring about great suffering in the body of Christ. The fourth horse of the apocalypse is going to bring great trauma with persecution and and demands by the world that we give up all moral standards. And you will be accused of hate crimes. I don't know exactly how God's going to bring it all to pass, but he will bring it to pass. So he falls in love with a woman, Delilah, and immediately the rulers of the Philistines go to her and they say, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each of us will give you equivalent of 28 pounds of silver. And she'll be a wealthy woman. And she agrees. So he goes in dumb and happy. He's found a woman who loves him. Not a prostitute. A woman who loves him. Oh, it's a woman he can lay his head on her lap and go to sleep. He trusts her. But she's not an Israelite. And she wants to betray him. Because she wants money. So he begins to to tease 
Samson says, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. He's going to play with her. He does not believe that it is possible for God to leave him. This is after he has been a prophet for probably 20 years in Israel and he's walked in his strength and he's gotten his revenge and he's played the man. With men hidden in the room, she calls to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snaps the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to flame. So the secret of his strength is not discovered. I want to ask you, in your pride, in your anger, in your knowing everything, how are you playing with God? Has he told you to stop doing something to change? Are you just operating according? Are you just operating according to your flesh? What is it that motivates you? What moves you? Are you playing with God? Do you recognize the trouble we're in in America? Do you recognize that everything is about to collapse, a financial reset, and in the crisis and the trauma of that with the dollar being destroyed? They're going to bring in a digital currency, a one-world government program that will result in the coming Antichrist and the allegiance to the Antichrist. Do you need to get right with Jesus? Do you need to get right with Jesus? Hmm. Well, we're out of time for this broadcast today. I want to thank each of you who went on the chat line. And yes, we are live. I apologize for the video being so difficult today, but we're working on it. Pray for us. And thank you who have listened so faithfully on the radio, 780 AM at WAVA. I praise God for you. We, we lost two subscribers last night, and that doesn't trouble me because people have to choose. I know the topics I'm dealing with are not popular topics. They're not easily understood because they cut right across our worldliness. But we're going to continue dealing this week with with Samson, with the church. Let's pray. Lord, I recognize that we have passed that 40-year point and we have been 
taken over by the world, the church in America. I pray, Lord, that you will do whatever is necessary to rescue us, that you would rescue a remnant of men and women who would would turn their heart away from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and seek your face. Lord, we have all kinds of knowledge. We've had teaching for years, but we've walked in the wickedness of our hearts. So, Lord, I pray that you would turn us back to yourself. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, please, uh, I go to the post office every day to look for your letters. We're past now the middle point of this month, and we're a long way from the middle point of having the money available to pay for the radio for this month. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And everything you give will go to pay for that radio broadcast. So if you'd like to be a part of keeping us on the air, please give as the Holy Spirit calls you. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't already subscribed, please consider. God bless you. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.